0: Hey everybody, this is Heidi St. John. Today is Friday, June 15th. Welcome to the Busy Mom Podcast. Now, I just got off of my trip. Uh, around, I feel like I've been running around the country like a clown by hair on fire. I finished up in Virginia, as you guys know, this last weekend. And today I'm going to start a summer series with friends of mine every Friday here at the podcast. And I thought the very best guest I could think of to have is my friend Steve Lambert. You guys are going to love him. And we're going to talk today a little bit about downsizing. It's summertime. It's time to look around and take a break from what we normally do. Stick around. I think you're gonna be encouraged. Good morning. Hey, how are you doing?
1: Good. I'm good. It's awfully early where you are.
0: It is early. I know, right? This this these are the hazards of living on the Pacific Coast.
1: <laughs> uh, but there are benefits. It's beautiful out there.
0: Yeah, it absolutely is. So Steve, is this this is your is this your second time to be on my podcast? No, this is first time for me. This is your first time? I can't believe, well, we talk like every day. So I feel like I've had you on the podcast a lot. I can't believe I haven't had you here.
1: Maybe you have and just didn't tell me.
0: It's possible. It's possible. So for those of you who are listening who don't know uh, Steve Lambert, Steve Lambert and his wife, Jane, are uh, they, what do you, the creators, really. Jane is the creator of a curriculum called Five in a Row. And we met the Lamberts. Steve, how long has it been? 10 years?
1: I think closer to 12 now.
0: 12 years. So a long time ago at uh, a homeschool conference in Spokane, Washington. And it was like a, I don't know, the Lord just did something really cool. And we've been pretty much hanging out with you guys ever since. Steve and Jane live in uh, Lee Summit, just outside of Kansas City, Missouri. And we have managed to see each other several times a year. Since that time, twelve years ago, Steve's like it. You're like a dad to me. I go to him for wisdom. (laughs) If I got if I got a problem, if I'm freaked out about homeschooling, because you guys, Steve, how you guys homeschooled your kids from the very beginning, or did you pull Becky out of school at at one point?
1: Uh, Becky finished first grade in public school and then went to a private Christian school to begin second grade. And at and at the mid mid year, we pulled her out in 1981 and began homeschooling, and that was our adventure for then for the next uh 16 years I think before our youngest went to college.
0: So I always laugh about this because we've so, we sort of have lived a little bit of of parallel lives. Savannah went to private school in kindergarten and first grade and then I put her in public school in second grade and we pulled her out in second grade. And uh and that was the beginning of our homeschool journey too and it sounds like you guys were part of the really the pioneer homeschool movement, right?
1: Well, yeah, I I think I think that's fair to say. We didn't Actually, no. Any homeschoolers? We'd never met a homeschooler at that point. I and if you did, it
0: would have freaked you out. It would have.
1: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs>
0: <laughs> would have scared you to death. You'd have been like, "Wait, I don't have a, I don't have a, a wheat grinder. I can't do it."
1: Right, right. <laughs> I didn't own any Birkenstocks or anything. So. That's right.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. So where you guys are living, everybody had uh, wheat grinders. Where I live, they were all wearing Birkenstocks. So it's the same. It was like oh, little see. telltale, yeah, little telltale. I, I we're kind of going back to that though, Steve. From what I can tell on the road, the wheat grinders and the Birkenstocks, we're going back. All right, right? or All maybe right. it's forward. I don't know. <laughs> so you guys, you you and I have talked for many many years, just you know, family stuff, family dynamics, where we are in our lives, and you and I are having an interesting conversation. We've been having this conversation now for a couple of months about where you're going in this next season of your life you got your kids are obviously grown some of your grandkids are cotton picking and grown now right i mean
1: yeah my my oldest granddaughter graduates from high school uh, this month and also homeschooled yeah all all seven of our grandchildren are being homeschooled from 18 months to 18 years it's amazing
0: it's amazing, and you guys are in a, in a, kind of entering a new season of your life, and that's sort of what we were talking about, and decided, hey, let's do the podcast around this topic because you were talking to me um, about just simplifying your life and starting that process really of downsizing and looking to the next you know twenty years, and what is it that you want to do with your life? And we sort of stumbled upon this conversation that I think a lot of people are having, whether they're your age or not looking around and they're surrounded by junk, uh, we, tend to, we tend to sort of squirrel things away. And uh, would you describe yourself that way or no?
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. I'm, you know, if, if that's, if there's a, a hoarder, that's probably me. I've got uh, now at the moment, three houses, I'm embarrassed to say, because we're, we have a vacation home that we are trying to sell and downsize to a smaller one, which we've already bought. But we, uh, yeah, so we have three houses full of ac- accumulated junk over the last 68 years. And I was just reading Psalm 51 this morning, talking about my sin is ever before me. And when I look around the room where I'm sitting right now during this podcast, it's literally just, I mean, not in the pathological sense of narrow paths to walk through, but there's just so much accumulation in every room of our home that uh that, that seemed to bring joy in the process of acquisition, but now has become a stumbling block really to this season of life and doing the things that God wants me to do. I I saw a quote you and I were just talking about the other day on Facebook that said uh, something to the effect that all that uh, all that clutter in your home used to be money. Right. <laughs> it's true. That hit home. I mean, I looked around at all the stuff that we've accumulated and I thought, you know, I wished I had the money instead of the stuff, Mm -hmm. because it took years to accumulate. And frankly, uh, at 68 years of age, it looks like it's going to take years to get rid of, because I really don't want to leave that job to my children. And so I wish I had known in my 30s and 40s what I know now, and I wouldn't be facing a lot of the problem that I'm facing today.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's absolutely true. And I don't think you're alone. I mean, I think this is very. This is indicative, really, of Western civilization, of Western culture. I think sometimes, it, you know, when I talk to older people who struggle with this, and by older people, I mean my grandmother. Uh, my grandmother on my dad's side, she she kept everything. She grew up in the Depression, and so it was very, you know, she just had a really hard time. She felt like if she got rid of something, she might not get it again. So she hung on to that stuff, and right. and so I, and we can kind of we can sort of do it. You know, do it too. I wrote about this in the Guide to Daylight. You know, my my desire to just purge, and like anything, go too far one direction or too far another direction. But there's freedom in it. I mean, that's ultimately that was the point of what I was writing about. Was I realized I started getting rid of stuff, and I it made me free. I felt free.
1: Yeah, I think there's wisdom in that, Heidi, and that's uh, something that I'm facing right now, and my wife and I are dealing with. How do we purge? in a way that's wise. I mean, there is, it's obviously possible to purge rather quickly by simply having a giant estate sale and just saying, here, haul it all away. Uh, But on the other hand, some of those assets are valuable and you'd like to convert that back into cash to leave to your children and grandchildren. But, oh my gosh, how much easier would it have been just to have never gone gone this direction in the first place? You know, I see, I read today about the, you know, the average family has to be two income, and and uh, dad sometimes has to work two jobs, and moms so often are having to work full-time or more just to, uh, you know, buy a typical suburban home and have two cars. But, you know, the typical suburban home these days is like 2,000 square feet, 1,800, 3,000 square feet, and cars today are thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000, and it's a different world. When I was growing up, I grew up as an only child, in a 700-square-foot home, small two-bedroom home with a little cinder block foundation, and a single-car garage. My dad only owned three cars in his lifetime and never more than one at a time. My mom was a stay-at-home mom. My dad worked uh, at a job, and he carpooled four days a week with other employees so that my mom would have use of the one-family car. Well, you know, you think, how were they able to accomplish that? Well, they were because their expectations of life were a whole lot simpler than our expectations of life in 2018. We expect to start out with a 2,400 square foot home and two brand new cars, or, or whatever. We just we've created a lifestyle that that makes us a slave to um, to our possessions and our and our expenses.
0: Yeah, no, it's really true. I had my friend Kristen Welch was on the show. She's been on the podcast with me a couple of times. She's written. About this. She has a, her first book was called uh, Raising Grateful Kids in an Entitled World. And then she wrote a book, which you would love, um, was talking about raising world changers in a changing world. And one of her big things is get rid of your stuff. Like, why do we have all this stuff? It keeps us from, oftentimes, it keeps us from doing what God wants us to do. It keeps us from, um, it makes us kind of, we we take, like, we're emotionally attached to it half the time, right? Uh, So then we can't get rid of it because it reminds us of somebody or it's a friendship thing or whatever, but it's a, you know, it's a knickknack or it's books and they take up too much room. what do you say to the person? So now I I guess I want to, I want to shift the conversation a little bit because there are a lot of parents listening to this right now. They've just wrapped up school. Listen, homeschool mom, if you're still doing school in the middle of June, knock it off. (laughs) Quit, right? Wouldn't you agree, Steve? Just put your stuff away.
1: Absolutely right.
0: Take a break. Uh, And I think a lot of, you know, we look around and we think, you know, we make our list of things to do, the bucket list of things that we want to do in the summertime. And uh, I'm thinking for the for the parents who are looking around, they've got, you know, their garage is full of stuff. The kids' bedrooms are full of stuff, the family room, the kitchen. Uh, Do you think this is a good time of year to sort of to sort of unbind yourself from this stuff? And maybe where's a good where's a good place to start?
1: Yeah, I, I think it's a great time of year. First of all, you've got some free labor now. You know, right. the kids are home from school or the homeschool year, the books are put away. So it's, totally it's a right. great time. Those kids are, you know, the greatest opportunity in the world is when your kid says, I'm bored. That's right. So, you know, I can fix that. I've got a plan for you. Here's what we're going to do. And in the process, you know, pick a room, doesn't matter where, pick their room, pick the family room, the basement, the garage, wherever. And just start systematically sifting through it, and so you know, here's a few items we could put on Craigslist. Here's a couple of items we could list on the Facebook Marketplace. Here's a couple of items that would be great for eBay. This pile is going in the trash. This pile is going to Goodwill. And wouldn't so and so love to have this? Let's just give this to her. Um, and in fact, I have a, a friend who who's an avid guitar player. He earns his livelihood teaching guitar. And in fact, I called him yesterday and I said. Hey, come over here. I've got a gift for you, and I'm going to give him one of my guitars just because I think it'd be a blessing to him. And so kids in the process not only learn to work hard, to appreciate what they have, but they learn the joy of giving, of serving in the community, of giving away, uh, sharing with others, of giving to the goodwill, of, of how to become resourceful and generate income by, by uh, taking items that are no longer used and selling them in some cases. Uh, it's a great time of the spend the summer purging the house, cleaning the clutter, getting ready for the next season of your life and put your kids to work. They'll be grateful, thankful and excited to start school again in, in August or September.
0: Well, I think it's true. And uh, we've kept for years. I mean, you've been to my house, you know, a bazillion times over the last 12 years. But I always keep a box at the top of my stairs, which is, you know, set to donate to Salvation Army. And I, I, I think I take at least one trip every single week to uh, some place to donate stuff simply because I want my kids to be in the habit, always be, I don't know how we collect stuff, Steve. I really don't, but it's always accumulating. And so uh, it's birthday parties. It's, you know, it's Happy Meal toys. It's all this stuff. And I think we're kind of afraid to, to get rid of it. So when you, when you're looking around your house, I'm thinking about this because I'm sitting, you know where I am. I'm upstairs in the schoolroom right now, recording this podcast. I'm looking around and I can see a whole full of things that like, in a in another season of my life was really helpful and useful and I needed it, but I don't have little littles anymore, you know, and I'm not homeschooling in kindergarten or first grader or second grader. I don't need this stuff. And I'm thinking I could clear up some space and maybe use it for something I I really want to use it for. Um, where do you tell a parent to start? If you know, if a mom is looking around and she's like, "Oh man," do you say, uh, "Is it is it useful?" Because then the question is, if even if the item's useful, are you ever going to use it? <laughs> right? I mean, sometimes right, we exactly. hold on to stuff-,
1: stuff that we've been saving for thirty five or forty years because someday someday we're probably going to need that, and so far <laughs> we never have. Uh, so. <laughs> in our life we probably won't you know you and i've talked before about the seasons of life and uh i've said for years there are basically four seasons zero to 20 you just try not to get killed doing something stupid that's that's the main primary goal of your first 20 years of life um the next 20 years 20 to 40 that's your season to begin to figure out what life is really about what it means to to be faithful to your spouse what does it mean to to uh love your kids in a sacrificial and servant hearted way. What does it mean to serve in your church and your community? What does it mean to hold down a job and be a good employee? Uh, and then 40 to 60 for most of us, that's the season of life where you can, you've kind of figured out the basics. I get how it works. I've got a little track record. I've had a little experience at life. Now I'm going to go out and make an impact and encourage others in my community. I'm going to have a platform from which to speak uh, whether it's, you know, mentoring younger moms or whether it's serving in your church community or whether it's like you, traveling and speaking all over the world. And finally, from 60 to 80, if we live that long, is a chance for us to mentor uh, the younger group that's just stepping up, coming out of their 30s into their 40s and help them help build a platform for them uh, to help them find their place uh, to make a difference in the world. But I don't care what season you're in, whether you're whether you're going to college, or whether you're a newlywed, or a young mom, or 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 you're starting to have an impact and 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 involved in ministry and servant uh, service in your community, stuff always gets in the way. There's never a useful season for accumulating stuff, and 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 it, as you said earlier, all too often it simply gets in the way of God's plan and His purpose for our lives. Well, we can't go because, and there's a huge list of Reasons we can't we can't go and serve because, you know, we have to take care of this or we're too far in debt or credit cards have been run up too deep or we got too many car payments or whatever it is. Our house payment is too big. And so we find that stuff encumbers us and keeps us not only from God's purpose in any season of our life, but frankly, keeps us from the joy that the Lord wants us to experience uh, of of being involved in community, of making a difference in the lives of those people around us, of being the attentive, involved, present parent or spouse that we were called to be because we're too busy worrying about paying for the stuff or acquiring the stuff or storing the stuff. It's amazing to me. I just cleared out a storage locker. I'm, I'm burying my soul here, and this is embarrassing, uh, but I have a, a one, one, I have a three-car garage that's full of cars and stuff, and I had a storage locker. And I have a friend of mine who built several mini storage companies. And he said, you know, it's amazing. He said, you know, these people pay $100, $150 a month. I was paying $142 a month for the last four years for this storage locker. And it was full of stuff. When I cleared all the stuff out, uh, I probably had maybe two or $3,000 worth of stuff in there. While well, I was paying almost $1,800 a year for four years, I paid almost $7,000 to store $3,000 worth of stuff. I could have thrown it away and replaced it three times over for what I spent on rent. And he said, you know, it's amazing. People eventually, if they stop paying, they forfeit the contents. And we saw the lock off. I think there's a TV show. I've never seen it where people bid to buy abandoned storage lockers. People have paid thousands or tens of thousands of dollars over five years, 10 years, 15 years to, to, to rent a storage locker and when they cut it open there's like two ball snow tires and a rusted barbecue grill <laughs>
0: <laughs> and why do I mean, you keep that stuff
1: it's yeah it's crazy you know um and so stuff just encumbers our lives it makes it makes it increasingly difficult for us to do what god has asked us to do and in my own case you and i were talking about this recently that <clears throat> i grew up with two alcoholic parents in a Uh, only child in a pretty uh, sometimes difficult uh, times during my childhood. And the one thing that my family was great at, my grandparents and my parents, was giving great gifts. I mean, I had killer Christmases every year, you know, a new drum set, a new, you know, slot car racing sets, new bicycles, new whatever. And those were the moments of joy that I remember out of what otherwise was sometimes a difficult life. And so I've always associated new stuff with feeling safe and comfortable i didn't grow up in the depression but you know for me there's an emotional hook to accumulating stuff when i buy something new i feel better i feel loved i feel comforted and the crazy part is that almost every sin and let's be honest i mean compiling stuff is can be a sin is birthed out of a god given authentic, Jesus-inspired need in our lives. We all need to be loved. There's a way to experience that that doesn't involve buying stuff. We all need to experience love and intimacy in our life, but there's a way to do that that doesn't involve sexual sin. And so for me, that's not an excuse. It's just a reality. But now I'm reaping what I've sown. And as I approach 70 years old, this is something I don't want to leave my children to sort out. But whatever season you're at, I mean, whether you're 20, 30, 40, whether your kids are toddlers or teens, it's a great time to start paring down the stuff so that you can be available with your finances, your time, and your attention.
0: That's the key word right there. It's being available. And that's so much of what we talk about here at the podcast. It's being available for your kids. Whether Some of, the, some of us uh, need to whittle down social media, which is something I have been really... The Holy Spirit's really been speaking to me, and I'll be talking more about that on the podcast in the weeks to come. But, uh, but the the whole point I love that you said that because it's a great way to wrap up the podcast is that we are available, and uh, that that all that I think often we don't realize how the things that we've accumulated around us keep us from being uh, financially available, emotionally available, uh, available space. Maybe you guys have a, a room in your house that's just full of garbage. Uh, Not garbage, but just full of stuff that you could get rid of and turn into a guest house, a guest room, and then you could have more. uh, You could you could be hospitable. Maybe you could use your house to really bless and encourage uh, other people in your community. There's lots and lots of things that we can do that our stuff keeps us from doing.
1: Yeah, great, great points. And that's in the end. I mean, it's not going to be the stuff. You know, you've heard the old joke about you know the richest man in town who died, and somebody said, "How much did he leave?" And the answer, of course, was all of it. Um uh, but you know the stuff that uh, uh, I used to be involved in the investment business and we um one of the things that is is uh at the highest levels of in, of investment is is uh where traders trade currencies and they may trade millions of dollars and dollars for some euros in the morning and then trade the euros for Japanese yen after lunch and then trade the yen for some other currency in the afternoon and there's Tens of millions of dollars to be made, but in the end, the only no-brainer trade where you can never lose is to trade the stuff in this life that you can't keep for the rewards in eternity that you get to keep forever. I mean, that's a no, no-brainer arbitrage deal, because eventually everything we own is going to turn, the Bible says, to rust and dust. You can't take it with you. You can't keep it. So we might as well purge. That's what I'm doing now. I wish I'd heard this podcast 40 years ago when I was a young man.
0: Mm. Well, it's a good, it's a good encouragement, and it's a great time of year uh, for people to do that. I know I'm going to be doing that uh, this summer, and just trying to get my house. Actually, I'm I'm going to do anything and everything to make uh, me feel like I just live here again.
1: <laughs> uh, well, if you get bored, um <laughs> and you want to take a, a, an exciting trip on an airplane somewhere, you can come and help me dig out.
0: Hey, you know, actually. Uh, I love to do that. As you well know, I'm a, I'm a purger and a getter ridder of <laughs> Um, But I think, I think that, and I wrote about this too in the guide to daylight, that can have an, an opposite effect on the other side. So you want to be careful. You got to be listening. Yeah. Like I, I think I told you, I got rid of my husband's table saw because he never used it. Well, then when he went to use it, he wasn't very happy that I got, <laughs> that I got rid of it. He's like, where's my table saw? I was like, well, it's taking up space in the garage and so we had to buy a new one. That was a painful, expensive lesson for me. Uh, but I, I'm going to end today's podcast with a quote, actually, that I saw on your Facebook page. And it says, if you're not using the stuff in your home, get rid of it. You're not going to start using it more by shoving it in a closet somewhere or in a storage unit or or whatever it is. And other th- the other thing, Steve, and I realize we've gone a couple minutes over, but I just wanted to thank you for coming on here. I meet so many men On my, you know, during my travels, during my speaking season, who are always like, "I wish you wouldn't call your podcast the Busy Mom Podcast. Just call it the Heidi St. John Podcast and start having more guys over." Because I listen to the show, and I'm embarrassed to tell my friends I listen to the Busy Mom. (laughs) Busy Mom. So you've kind of legitimized the podcast for all the guys who are listening. So thank you so much, Steve.
1: Yeah, it's been it's been my pleasure uh, to join you this morning, Heidi. I've known you long enough to know that you know, God's wisdom in general and your wisdom in particular doesn't know any gender boundaries. And 99% of what you share on your podcast and in your books is just as applicable to men as it is to women. So thanks for letting me be a part of your your podcast today. I appreciate it. It's been fun. It
0: has been fun. Thank you so much. If you want more information, about Steve and Jane Lambert, in particular, uh, Jane Lambert's homeschool curriculum. It's called Five in a Row. You can find their website at fiveinarrow.com. I will link back to all things Lambert in the show notes today. I hope you guys have been encouraged. If you've got questions for me or shown ideas, please shoot me an email, podcast at com, And I will look forward to hearing from you. In the meantime, have a great weekend. Maybe this is your weekend to start getting rid of some stuff. See you back here on Monday visit me online at thebusymom.com.